We are here for our very first WTF1 podcast with our launch partners, Yasmarina Circuit. We are here in Abu Dhabi, and I'm joined by Nick from Yasmarina Circuit. We've got Jess, and we've got Tommy. And for our audio listeners, because this is also available via audio, I'm going to get you all to say hello, so people know who you are. So, Nick. Hello. Jess. Hiya. Tommy. Hi. Alistair as well, who's in the background. Hi. And me, obviously. So we're going to be talking about all things motorsport, but obviously mainly Formula One, because you know, we're a little bit biased with that. And the Australian Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. So, guys, we haven't been able to talk about <laughs> the Australian Grand Prix purely because we're saving it for the podcast. Save we were the podcast. saving. It was a long, awkward flight of silence, <laughs> and it was, yeah. wasn't it? So we, so we let. To give everyone context, we have a sheet where we put all of the, the, the talking points uh, on, don't we? So we kind of add to it as the, as the race unfolds, and we're now here and we can talk about it. Ellie in the background as well will pitch in now and again. So let's, let's kind of go chronologically. So obviously you've got free practice, and then qualifying was probably the main instant to first talk about was Valtteri bottle us maybe bottle <laughs> a I mean, bit harsh. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, um, maybe I'm going to be slightly controversial here but I have never rated Bottas ever ever I even think, at Williams yeah I mean obviously again you have to have a certain caliber to get to F1 but I remember watching him in at Silverstone 2015 was that the year where Williams like leapfrogged the Mercedes both of them were out in front they they were holding Mercedes up Mercedes could not get past no matter what and and I was like please Williams please do not mess up the strategy and they did and they did Um, (laughs) that was massive they they should have switched the cars but they they always get into that situation where you know when when a team that doesn't normally win which when I started watching it from a car, I was saying that about Williams, but they—they just—they're not used to it. And well, at the same well, time, it's yeah. not fair, like in a sense, for Bottas, who'd never won a race at that stage, to just move out of the way. You know, mm. oh, you're leading the race, get out of the way. It's like mm. this guy wants to win as much as anyone on the grid, yeah, probably. Yeah. And I, to this day, I still don't know how they didn't win that race. Like they had it under control. Well, if the strategy. But had that's the out. thing. Like they to to win championships, you need to have a strategy for every occasion. Mm. And Silverstone, it rains. <laughs> it's the UK. It rains, um, and you have to be prepared for that. And you know, a big part of it is luck, but it's also down to driver intuition, feedback, what's happening on track. Like the engineers only have a certain amount of data um, that they can use that's being taken from the car itself. Mm. The driver has to know. I mean, Jensen Button, for instance, was incredibly good at knowing when to change tires. Never um, read a Jensen Button. Mm, and Lewis, <laughs> like, I know. I think Jensen had great tire tire strategy. Yeah, he got lucky. Um, anyway, I think for that particular race, again, like it fell into Lewis's hands. He came in at the yeah. exact right moment. Um, but on the radio, as soon as it started getting wet out there, Bottas was like, bring me in on wets. Yeah. And nobody, panics. nobody, he panics. And he's just, he's never shown me any kind of skill where I'm like, he's a world champion. Let's, so, let's use yeah. the, uh, the, the crash in particular at Australia mm. as an example. It was just a pure mistake, and the fact that he's stayed in the throttle, he should know in that stage where he's, he's gone wide, he's going to be on the grass, there's no runoff. It's, yeah, it's, it's harsh for him to make that mistake straight away because he had that lull mid-season where Hamilton just took off, absolutely smashed it at the end of the season and won the title convincingly, yeah. and people were starting to lay into Bottas, but then he won the last race here in Abu Dhabi, convincingly beat Hamilton, 
arguably you say Hamilton sort of gives up a little bit once he's won the title. He hasn't won he's, he's any never, races ever won after, a race after yeah. winning the title. Yeah, that's, cra- that's a crazy it's stat. A weird stat. But you think, okay, Bottas, right? I got the one up on Hamilton in the last race. This is my year. I can take the fight to him, and then he bins it in qualifying. Which yeah. again, I just think is down to. Over. I think he's got a lot of pressure on him though because yeah. he has, he's up against one of the greatest drivers ever mm. regardless if you're a fan of him or not but the fact that Hamilton was able to put in such a fast qualifying lap so much faster than everyone else and Bottas has got to, to do well this year or else he's But I mean to your out. point you, you mentioned about not having the skills to be a champion but managing pressure is that's I mean, that comes it. with the business. I mean, that's it comes with what, what he does. I mean, he it's, a, it can't be an excuse not for not performing. It has to be... Exactly. It's a given. must be a given. Your ability to manage pressure. Well, he was a GP3 of? champion a couple, a couple of years back before he joined yeah. F2 and then F1. He, was, he has been a champion of other lower, lower formulas. But What did you make of Bottas' performance last year? Obviously, soaking up. Like it wasn't a great pressure. race. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a great race, and it, it, it sort of, and your point about Lewis Hamilton not winning any race after he's been mm. crown champion, um, I don't know, it seemed he'd sat back and was quite happy for Bottas to take the win. Um, but, you know, I mean, despite, you know, we've got, you know, as a person, you, you, you know, you like certain drivers, but actually what you want to see is drama on the track. Yeah. Yeah. at any cost you don't yeah. want to see drama on the track and we didn't see it you know they're all of the all of the team strategies were the same yeah. Hamilton looked comfortable to sit back frankly um, yeah we, we, we were here last year mm. which was which was great and we were obviously very excited for the race and we were sat in the in the social hub on the back straight and we were watching uh, it was the support series first and they were so exciting you know they were going four wide into that corner off the back straight and we were all sat there in the in the hub like oh my gosh like everyone was turning around like what's going on what's going on we were like the f2 is literally so exciting right now and and then the f1 cars come out and it's a completely different setup and nothing's changed you know nothing nothing's happened it's 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 literally like what so it's a different ball game on every every track like formula one you have those tracks even say like albert park uh people were talking about it this weekend saying oh well they, they can never ever take it melbourne and then people say about you know bahrain oh it's never it's never a good race in bahrain but then f2 is consistently mm. amazing and you go well what about well there's a lot of stuff that's different yeah. and that's what formula one needs to address Do you not find that it's mainly the cars that all this error is causing so much bad turbulence. But then air F2 have now changed their cars to much Formula but then cars. I suppose, but last year F2 was really exciting because they were they were less aero, whereas now they're more aero. Mm. Maybe it's worth seeing what it's like this year and whether if F2 is still as exciting, then F1 is definitely doing something completely different. So we've somehow gone from Bottas to F2. So let's let's go. <laughs> well, firstly, like I guess like have, seeing as we've got Nick here, like as a track, how do you? manage that because obviously you have to take into account f1 changes but how how can a track like increase the drama for an f1 fan or like increase the entertainment is there is there anything that was within your power or is it are you beholden to aerodynamics and downforce because i guess it's tough right we shouldn't be you know and Mm. uh, as you know as a track tracks are not cheap to build i mean i'm stating the obvious they're not cheap to build and it's not something you have a race as for example as it played out last year i don't think no one intended for it to play out that way it just did 
you know, and, and then there's talk about changing the configuration of the track. I mean, these are multi, multi-million dollar decisions, which, what, based on how a race, one particular race played out. So I don't think it's on us as, a, as, as the track. But on the basis, obviously, that the, you know, uh, assuming that the base level track is solid, it was designed by Herman Tilke, it's, it's a solid track, visually it looks great, but it's also good to drive. We've had plenty of drama on this track. Mm. Um, so it really is about perhaps, you know, the, the rules. Because um, in Australia we added, yeah. in Australia they added an extra DRS zone right. um, to help, in, to I mean, help with overtaking. Two, yeah, I mean, we've got DRS zones and to some degree it helps and we try and push it out to audiences, but it's a very committed audience that get, you know, see that as a motivating factor and we really shouldn't need to drop down to DRS zones in order to, you know, drum up some excitement mm. and interest from our, from our audiences, you know. Yeah. Just some good old-fashioned mechanical driven based competition you know yeah. and drama it's 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 weird because formula one fans just I, you know i'm i'm the same if, if there's a boring race if there's a boring, i'm like oh that race was not great i'll happily voice my opinion and be like it's, it, it was boring but at the same time if you look at other sports like football when there's a nil nil draw yeah. you don't see fans going change, change the football sport. pitch exactly. i want yeah. the football pitch to be smaller you know and quite often when the stakes are high they get boring the games are boring they play defensively and if both teams are playing defensively you get a boring game. Yeah, it's. Yeah. it's I personally just a really enjoyed Formula One last year. It was really unfortunate that the title happened the way it did at the end because even even the races beforehand, people complained about overtaking. But for me, that's not why I, I don't watch F1 for them to be overtaking every single corner. I actually quite enjoy watching the Formula strategic One aspect as, as well. Yeah, it's it's like. The fact, sometimes the fact that they can't pass is more exciting because you saw like Hamilton and Vettel at the end of the race. If Hamilton had just breezed past him because his car's so much quicker, he'd just be off. But yeah. the fact that you get five, ten, sometimes twenty laps—if you think of the, like the most exciting races ever—it um, always goes back to things like Senna and Mansell at Monaco. Mm. Th there was no overtaking in that race. Yet everyone always talks about how amazing it was. And I admit, yeah, the, the 2012 era was brilliant, but also you had the opposite where fans were going. It was oh, forced. this is, it was, yeah, people were breezing past on tyres that were four seconds a lap quicker and yeah. the RS. It wasn't and overtaking, was it? They, it wasn't overtaking because they'd overtaken each other before, way before the braking zone. So they weren't out braking, it was just slipstream motorway overtakes. Yeah. Uh, and then when the season started in 2017, everyone's like, oh, they can't really overtake. You had that first race where Vettel and Ricardo in China, was it, were wheel banging. Mm. And everyone was like, well, the overtakes are amazing now because yeah. they really have to yeah, go for it. For me personally, you know, I'd, I'd rather the drivers having to push every single lap of every race throughout the whole season where they, you know, they have to be gladiators, essentially. Uh, rather than tooling around, saving your tyres. Obviously, we've got a little bit of a saving engines issue going on uh, in the I mean, sport, that's the thing. Like, the sport doesn't help itself. No. I, I understand that those changes are put in place for certain reasons, but exact, like Hamilton had to back off at the end of the race mm. on Sunday because he was thinking, I could push and I could probably overtake Vettel. Ooh, and yeah. us as fans would have been like, yes. But that engine has to last seven races. That ruins, the first race as well. Yeah, that so. ruins all the work for Formula One. They made new logo, they did a theme tune to like make it really exciting. They like yeah. pushed the whole 
fight for the five titles between Hamilton and Vettel, yeah. and then you go, right, Hamilton versus Vettel, 10 laps to go, on-track battle, this is brilliant, I'll wait, he's got to take his engine. engine. And Hamilton himself said it's against the, I've read something today, Hamilton said, obviously he would because he didn't win, but he said this is not motorsport, no. that and Senna wouldn't have, you know, had to save his engine and he had a Honda. Yeah, and Max... <laughs> imagine, imagine in football where you, you didn't score a goal because you wanted to save your football boots. We don't want Messi to get injured. Like, yeah. just yeah. play, like, just yeah, back yeah. off a little bit, don't try. Yeah. Well, you see it sometimes in friendlies, right? They won't, they won't play a hard game because mm. they don't want to get injured for the, for the real event. And it's, it's, it's not good for the sport. It's not good. It ruins right. everything. That was, the, for me, that was the most frustrating thing about the race was the engine saving. And I absolutely despise it because it's not, I don't get that it's a cost thing because Mercedes and Ferrari have so much money anyway. Yeah. They're, they're spending like, like, look how much they pay Hamilton. An extra engine means nothing, mm. and it just screws everyone. It's, it's after the la last season as well when so many penalties were dished out, and then like, right, we're going to take away one more engine. It's like, and also cut down testing to eight days. Yeah. It's just like I don't understand what is going on. We uh, we kind of change change certain variables and see if they work. If they don't, then introduce other ones. But if you introduce a bunch of different variables at the same, at the same time, how on earth are you going to know what works and what doesn't work? F1 has always done that. It's, like it's they, incredible. They, they introduce like DRS, Pirelli worn tires, yeah, Kers, um, <laughs> all at the same time, yeah. and then go, oh, like we need to change it up, and then you go, well, which one works? Any notable sort of incidents or things that that kind of caught your eye? Uh, I guess the start of the race wasn't particularly exciting. It was good. Yeah. It was it was good there was quite a lot of overtaking. I yeah. enjoyed the race. I didn't get the whole backlash of, again, it goes back to, I actually enjoy watching motorsport. I don't, I don't if that was a boring race, you, I don't know if you're watching it for the right reasons, personally. Mm. I mean, everyone goes back to, oh, it was amazing back in the day, but I sat through the Schumacher era and still loved it. And there was never yeah. any overtaking. I mean, I did, because I'm a Schumacher yeah. fanboy, but... <laughs> there was never any overtaking, and it goes back to the fact that you can't just have everything all the time. I guess that comes down to um, the whole social, everyone has a thing to say immediately straight after mm -hmm. the race. But you want that moment where there's an incredible overtake, and if someone does it every race, like I remember Montoya overtaking Schumacher, no one overtook in that era, so when Montoya overtook Schumacher with that insane lunge at Brazil. Yeah. Everyone was talking about it saying, this is incredible. But if that happened every single race on every it single lap, normal, people would just go, yeah. It was like Danny Rick last year at Monza, going down to turn one where he managed to lunge and dive bomb on Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah. yeah. That was huge news because, of course, in an era where even now there are overtakes, but not was a eight, lot. Wasn't but there? Was there yeah. eight this year, from what I heard? What's that, sorry? Overtakes, eight overtakes. It was eight or nine. It was eight or nine, and last year they had two. So yeah. if you're going to look at it side by side, there was an improvement <laughs> yeah. in overtaking. But again, like, so are nine overtakes it? good? I guess, yeah. again, like, it comes down to what is happening on track, what battles are happening. Was it entertaining? And, and you're in trouble when you start counting the number of overtakes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. exactly. When do you, what, what is Formula a One? Is Formula yeah. One, you just look at a race and go, oh, there was... 
X amount of overtakes. So if there's like yeah. one mm. overtake for the lead or 10 in the midfield, people will probably remember that one overtake, overtake and be like, oh, it's an amazing race. Yeah, and, and that's, again, that kind of comes down to to people like us as well in that we have a responsibility to allow people to understand that F1 is not just about overtakes, it's about strategy and, you know, strategies went wrong in Australia. I mean, Huss, it actually breaks my heart to think about Huss. Does that mean the, dra- the drama of F1 is just as much as yeah. the on-track racing and that, that can, people go, oh, well, the racing should be on track, but at the end of the day, it's a sport. You like the... Sort of war of words, the the stuff that comes after, that's what But at is. the moment it's not fully understandable for every F one fan. If you're if you're someone that's kind of a casual spectator, which you know, arguably there are a lot out there, you know, not under, not being able to understand that or not understanding what different tire compounds mean in terms of the overall race or, you know, if somebody does have to watch an engine because they've only got two left and they don't want to get grid penalties, like it's a complicated sport and mm. It's, That's it again, is, like, it is more too about many, that. Too many rules. That too many rules. As a, as a fan, if, if I was watching Formula One for the first time at that race, and I watched that and saw that, oh great, these are the two best drivers of the generation, they're yeah. going into the, F1's amazing, and then, oh, Hamilton's now five seconds behind because he's got to save his engine, I'd feel robbed and probably wouldn't watch I'd be like, again. why? Why is this happening? Why, Did yeah, Hamilton why? make a mistake? So he can't be that good yeah. then. You know, it's, it's the lack of understanding, yeah. I think, for, for new fans coming into the sport. Seven different dry compound tyres. Why is it now orange? Why am I, Why do I now see su- orange? super-duper mega-hard tyres. Yeah, tires. the super-duper mega-hard tyres. <laughs> um, but it's, 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 they just keep adding and adding and adding. And it, for me, you know, I'm, I've been a Formula 1 fan all my life, and yet I'm, st- I'm learning all the different things, the engine, you know, how that, that's changed since 2014 and stuff. Came out, and came out the womb talking about it, right? Yeah, pretty much. You know, <laughs> she was a, she had a shoe hat on as, as I came out the womb. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it's crazy to think, let's talk, as Jesse just brought up, uh, yeah. Haas. Haas. Mm. Let's, let's have so a, a moment's silence. <laughs> I think, you know, Haas have been almost, you know, one of the best newcomer team stories in a long time they had a really strong first season for a rookie team and they've kind of been going last year they were like a little bit lost Mm. slightly but coming into australia and having the cars on the grid where they were everyone was i mean obviously they're still getting stick though for um ferrari people people being like i put something on the wtf1 twitter about it saying Oh, everyone's complaining that Mercedes win every race. Everyone's boring, like, why are all the midfield teams two seconds behind? It's not fun. And then also complaining that now finally, like, Haas are doing really well. That should be good. But then the argument is that it's against the spirit of Formula One that their car, let, let, let's be honest, Ferrari have given that and they've yeah. made it grey. and. They shouldn't, that's the thing. Like, why are they being given stick for an achievement that they've made for such yeah. a, a small team in comparison? And to, to be running fourth and fifth in that race, and then to just and was it twenty two points they would have scored or something like that? It, yeah. You know, and to wipe out from a very simple error. Mm. You know, you think like you know all of this practice, all this. What was the issue? I can't there? believe it was an error. They came so out and said they human said error. It was human error. Like immediately, how? I was like, oh. And you, I remember we were WhatsApping and you called it, we always say, and it's back to Williams at Silverstone, every time a midfield team is up with the kind of big dogs. Yeah, they, they crumble. They crumble, they yeah. fluff it, like Ocon, Ocon and Perez. 
could have won uh, Bahrain. Backy. Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, it's how many times have we seen that where a Sauber or Force India or whatever is going to win and then the podium ends up still Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull. Mm. Every race, it happens. But you could see how much, like, you could see how much it meant to those guys that they did make the mistake. You know, the the picture of Grosjean comforting the mechanic, and it was a really emotional moment. And it I thought he was genuinely was. Fair when I saw that video. It was. Did you? <laughs> it was genuinely heartbreaking. And as a mm. fan of the sport, it was it was so heartbreaking that. And obviously then that directly affected the result of the race because mm. arguably without that, Seb would never have got the, the leapfrog and Hamilton would have run away with the... The conspiracy oh. theorists yeah. must... Like, you couldn't write it better <laughs> that the team that everyone complained about being a Ferrari B team has screwed up both their pit stops. Hey, screwed up, like it. Tyres, nice. I like that. Um... Screwed up both their pit stops, and it's allowed Vettel to leapfrog Hamilton to win the race. Like, it's absolutely I don't ridiculous. That is yeah. the case because you can see like, it was genuine raw emotion. That is oh, like hilarious that you couldn't make that up that, oh, for a conspiracy theorist. Such as the soap opera of F1. Yeah. But then again, like so, I guess the argument here is: was it pure luck, or was it a mistake by Mercedes? Now, they've, sure. they've come out saying that it was a software glitch, that they, they couldn't see the, the, true, the true gap. Like, they, yeah. Seb wasn't in the pit stop window. Windows stop working, like, surely they can just time it. Like, just... Well, there's nobody with a stopwatch yeah. timing the yeah, flat yeah. times, but it does kind of come into question again. Are the teams too reliant on technology? Mm. Yeah. Has there been a step away from... And because Mercedes can of, like, have all this tech and software and stuff that's that's tracking everything, are they too reliant on it? Because you, know, you, could, you could hear Lewis on the radio going, did I make a mistake? Was I not going fast enough? Mm. But he was, on, he was on virtual safety car it's, delta. So yeah. like, he, he was doing what he should, but they, they um, I think it was on Ted's notebook, he worked out that it was only 1.5 second difference that Hamilton could have made up before the virtual safety car that mm. would have saved the leapfrog and he would have won the race. So you know we were talking about strategy errors like the big dogs still make strategy errors yeah. but it's a case of like was that was it skill did Vettel do it purposefully knowing I mean he stayed out for a much longer stint than mm. Ki than Kimmy or Lewis and as soon actually I have to say as soon as I saw that Vettel didn't pit I had this horrible feeling this horrible like, yeah. feeling like this is gonna be he's gonna get the lead well that's from. the thing they put they put him in that position you know they mm. know what the gap they, was to, yeah. to Vettel and then they, they pit and then they're like well you're gonna have to make some ground up just in case there's a safety car but like they're so unpredictable Ferrari made that they Ferrari played an absolute blind like, with that because Bottas Kimi, <laughs> wasn't yeah. there well Bottas wasn't there so they, they didn't have their rear gunner Kimi Kimi pits early and understandably gets the first stop as the guy ahead. Classic Kimi Raikkonen and his luck that him actually beating Sebastian Vettel and being ahead of him has played against him. That's just, the guy can't catch a break, oh, yeah, can he? Because when he found out that he'd actually been put on the worst strategy, he, wasn't he on was the worst fuming. Strategy, though. No, I know. And but it, 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 he got screwed by it, but it, it worked perfectly because Kimi could pit and then Hamilton uh, obviously had to react, otherwise yeah, Kimi otherwise is going to win jumped, the race. Yeah. Uh, and then Vettel can just stay out and gamble. And it worked perfectly. And like you said, uh, it, 
happened. It's just poor Kimmy, yeah. isn't it? It's and again, just... it's, it's talking about, because everyone afterwards was saying, all right, a virtual safety car is meant to neutralise the race. No one is meant to gain or lose under the virtual safety car, but... That's I part of... That's yeah, part of F1, that's this, the safety we? car. I, like, hate, I hate that, that it should mix up the race. Yeah, you exactly, that's the whole point. You can't complain that, that there's no overtaking and it's unpredictable. It's like too predictable, mm. and then go, oh, yes, we need to make sure that when the safety car comes out, everything's exactly the same way as it yeah. is. No. Which, in a sense, it does do, but it, you know, it adds that element of if someone pits or is at the right point at the right time, they'll gain some time, and that's the whole point of you Formula need a, 1. You like, need a lottery processed Formula One without it being gimmicky, basically. Yeah. And obviously this pit lane's quite quite long, isn't it? So if people would, would how much would they gain from the virtual safety car here compared to Australia? I'm, mm. I'm not sure. Because is Australia pit lane quite short? It's quite short, yeah. yeah. Is mm. a longer pit lane mean that they'll gain less or more? Because yeah, how we gained was essentially you, you're getting almost a free pit stop because yeah. you're everyone on the track is driving at the same speed as you in the pit lane so yeah and you can and you can race to the line you can race to the end of the of the of the pit line so you can actually go a little faster than everybody else on track but that's that's racing that's That's racing and Hamilton had the chance to re-overtake him so I know you mentioned that yes Vettel was lucky like but also you make your own luck in F1 really and Hamilton, you, you basically, it wasn't, it wasn't the last lap of the race. Hamilton did have a genuine chance. And again, did it come down to the fact that the cars can't overtake each other? Does it come down to the fact that he had to save his engine? Does it come down to the fact that Mercedes, again, which we saw with Bottas, is horrific Following and dirty. Cars, yeah. And you can see that already. But at the end of the day, he did have a chance to overtake him. He could have done a Danny Rick dive bomb. <laughs> I wish he had to be yeah. honest. Although That's he, what you want to see. Though, he dive bombed nobody uh, when he was like, "I'm going to go for it," and then just fell straight off the track. Yeah. Like, that was a bit uh, it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Everyone was like, "Oh, for God's sake!" And I guess like that was that was what Max was trying to do. Yeah. Arguably, um, but again, you know, he just he just couldn't do it just for one reason or another. Yeah. I mean, he was a little hot-headed, I think. Classic um, Max, really. Classic Max. Hmm. But, you know, he is, he's that exciting wonder kid, isn't he, that's, that's proving that you can overtake him places that we've always been told you can't. Yeah. Um, but and if, he doesn't if, care either. He, that's the main point. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't care what and that's what think. we need. And again, I guess it comes down as well to the um, people being penalised. I mean, Ricardo got the grid place penalty for ridiculous for ridiculous reasons and he came out fuming and again it's like where do we draw the lines in the sport like where do we say okay we've got to think about racing and when we have to think about well actually this is an FIA regulated sport we have to follow the rules the rules Mm. are the rules and this is how it plays out but the the FIA we were talking about it they they said that he should have got a five five place and they were being lenient and Mm. gave him a three place like, you know, as a, a newer fan to the sport, if they tune into qualifying, they don't catch free practice, and then they're like, "Well, why has Ricardo got three uh, three place penalty? Oh, because he he went too fast under a red flag, but he wasn't actually going to go past the red flag instant." And you know, it's it's all this that just adds to the back confusion. To, back to what you said, where the, with the grid penalties, you've maybe watched qualifying or maybe not. You see, uh, you see, oh, brilliant! Uh, Daniel Ricardo has theoretically has had his best result in years he's second on the grid and then you tune into the race and go oh Ricardo's 12th yeah and I and I said in one of our previous videos that I reckon that at 
towards the end of the season, yeah. there's going to be a lot of penalties in qualifying. Maybe even the whole grid. I don't know. Because I, I don't think a lot of teams will be able to, to, to have three engines throughout the even whole season. Even before the race, science came out and said, we're already thinking about strategic engine penalties. Yeah, where are they going to take it? Where can that they is not F1. Yeah. Like, not that is so bad for the sport that you guys, you guys put on these kind of events. You, you think about everything like the the acts like putting on an amazing uh, show for everyone you go to all this stuff and then the teams go oh yeah we're going to sacrifice this race because we've got to take engine pads it's not it's not in the spirit of formula one really is it so speaking of not in the spirit third drs was at australian grand prix i don't think it did much really I think if there's any overtakes. <laughs> I think it probably helped, but I think the fact that we didn't notice or did notice, yeah, maybe it wasn't is a that huge. Maybe it is a case of, I mean, at least they got closer. I would hate I like to, maybe, fact, maybe without DRS it. To be that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe without closer, it, but... the cars wouldn't have been as close because it was still decent gaps between cars throughout mm. the entire race. Obviously, there was a bit of a drop off between the, um, top, yeah. the top, the top guys, but. Um, it's it's still it's still testament to the fact that maybe it worked. So, but I mean, I think it can it, still work even I if think, it's not overtaken. Yeah, right? I mean, we're just very used to complaining. We love <laughs> complaining. I think is is essentially the the thing. But that's kind of like the first race over. Yeah. We've got. I think based on that, what we saw in the first race is this season is going to have some interesting things happen. There's going to mm. be a soap opera, and I'd be I'd be interested so. to know like what. Because you guys have to wait now until November, where the finale will be held. Like, mm. what do you? What are you looking forward to seeing most? Do you think from the season and in the lead up to to the race here in Abu Dhabi? I mean, you know, I mean, for us here in Abu Dhabi, you know, the key thing is is that we're not targeting an F1 fan exclusively. You know, we're targeting casual F1 fans and, in fact, non-F1 fans. Um, so all of the talk around DRS. Your know, technicalities of the sport, the strategy is very hard for us to communicate that to a casual, mm. let yeah. alone a non F1 fans. Really hard for us to do that. So we want really basic human level drama. Um, I mean, you know, you look at the race in Australia for us. The fact that Ferrari won, despite me, I like Lewis, but the fact that Ferrari won is great for us. Eighty mm-hmm. percent of races have been won by Mercedes since eight, uh, 2014. Yeah. I mean, that's really bad for us as a promoter. You know, we're selling an entertaining, uh, we're selling entertainment, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, going to a Grand Prix race is not cheap, but it should be great value, mm-hmm. you know, and that all, what, what matters there for is what happens on the track as well as what, happen, or, or what happens off the track. We can take care of what happens off the track. Mm. We do a lot to make sure that the overall ambience is exciting and interesting and it's a really, really strong weekend. In fact, we put in, you know, we, we focus on a four-day weekend. We have a thing called Super Thursday. Pit lane walk is really popular. Mm. And actually the non-F1 fans can really get behind something like a pit lane walk, which is, which, which is great. But what happens on track, you know, should be accessible. Um, yeah. But it should also reward the, the fans, you know, who want depth and want layers and want to get into certain other aspects. But it shouldn't be inaccessible unless you have that knowledge. And that's, you know, for us. And I was just thinking actually what you were saying there in terms of liberty, and this maybe this is a bit of a hot take, but Liberty, obviously, they speak our language in terms of in- increasing and improving the entertainment proposition off track. But look at American sport, how, in- how inaccessible mm. baseball is. And I've been to a few baseball games or American football. It seems to take forever to play out. It's, yeah. Yeah. I hope, you know, the, the, I hope the, they don't chime with that, you know, with that, that kind of overall approach, which yeah. is sort of 
hopefully they can bring the the fan centricness of American yeah. sports and, and to be F1, at the table but... to represent the the fan who may be casual or non or may be in a hurry or has other stuff going on. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so nice can, balance. Yeah, but so that's hard. And so you can make a choice about you know it's either I commit myself fully to this, otherwise I have no understanding what's going on, in which case I'll move somewhere else. Yeah. At least in terms of percentage. Yeah, exactly. Fans who do so. I suppose for you guys, do you not want it to come down to the title fight being on the last race? Because that of course adds to the excitement yeah, of totally. on track stuff. Yeah. I suppose last year, as it is the last race, and there's always like last year there's a great hype and buzz around the whole event anyway. But it would have been even more, Thing I is, suppose. And the quick answer to that is yes. However, last year, um, last year was a bigger race for us than the year before, um, and we had a championship decided the year before. Last year, it wasn't. It was a, you know, it already been decided. Um, so it's not always the case. You know, how dramatic has the F1 season been? You know, when you have one team so dominant, it's not good for anyone. Whether there's a championship decider here or not, but obviously there's less likelihood mm. of there being a championship decider. There's not that predictability so it's really you know the the drama the human story you know the human story really helps and speaking as a promoter the human story really helps us to engage customers you know yeah. fans who will purchase our tickets you know and, and and trying to get those human stories and as well as obviously the sporting story and the championship story yes it does help you know. but obviously for us the big you know 2014 Sorry. was great we had double points, wasn't it? In yeah. <laughs> no one likes double points. <laughs> yeah. But the Never fact again. that it, yeah, of course, you know, and I'm, you know, you could do a whole podcast on double points. But yeah. <laughs> at least it mixed it up. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It's true. Liberty are tough that they've come into the sport when it's not the, it's not like the worst it's ever been, but they've essentially taken over the sport when you've got a team that's won the title so convincingly for the last four years. Uh, you'd argue they're going to win the title again this year. They're not changing the engines until 2021. So you say, well, okay, our Mercedes is going to win until 2021. Mm. And you go, they've, they've bought this new product just when it's got to the point where people are complaining about, oh, the engine noise isn't good enough. Oh, it's really dominant. Oh, like they, they have to react sooner rather than later. And I think that yeah. comes down to the engine regs again going, can we wait till 2021 to see mm. someone other than Mercedes win a race? Yeah. But then it takes a lot of planning as well, doesn't it, exactly. to, to, to execute it. So let's move on to some Twitter questions and Instagram questions that we had in from some of you lovely people. So the first one is, do you think Hass should be punished for the two unsafe releases? I think yes. Uh, it's a mistake, but yeah, I think they should be punished. Uh, what about what about you guys? No, it's a punishment. It's a bigger punishment enough to lose a race. We were talking about it before, where drivers getting penalised for things like bodging up overtakes. You screw up an overtake, unless it's horrifically bad. The punishment in itself is you screwing up. Yeah, but I think the whole point, like the reason why fines and, and things are in place is, is to really reinforce the fact that if you do this and you cause danger in the sport, you're going to get punished. I personally think Haas should have been punished. It was With a fine, not... With a fine. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. They fines, should have been yes, fined. not penalties and in, in terms of... That effect their, their, yes. their season. So yeah. what, essentially what we're saying, Ricardo arguably shouldn't have been punished because... Nothing, and I, I guess it comes down to um, 
was a was there an accident caused? No. Potentially, with the harsh release, there could have been because a, the wheel was not correctly threaded onto the car. If that wheel had come off and caused a major incident, knocked someone over in the pit lane, caused like some actual damage, mm. that's dangerous. Like that's really dangerous, and that should not happen in the sport because we've already seen, unfortunately, in the past. Mm incidents happen in similar, under similar circumstances. So 100% Haas should have been penalised. Yeah. Daniel Ricciardo, was there any immediate danger? Was there a point where he would have caused an incident? Arguably not. Mm. So in that instance... But it was a red flag, so... Yeah. And again, it's that whole, do we follow the rules because the rules are there for a reason? Or do we use... Some common sense Common as well. sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, you start fining people for stuff that has no consequence rather than going, okay, engine penalty, this penalty, this penalty. Yeah, I think the, the, the two instances are very different um, and one deserved penalising and the other, yeah. I, I personally don't believe should have. But he did, like, speed under a red flag, which... He was slowing say. down. <laughs> but he was over the speed limit of a red flag. It's also so, such a motorsport rule. It's not an F, just an F1 rule, which could yeah, be course. seen as like the tyre release or anything like that. Yeah. It's just F1 related. But this was the basics of motorsport is it's a red flag, stick to a speed limit. And there's no need for him to get back to the pit so quickly. But then you, then you argue like how clear... Uh, I mean, we could, again, we could do a whole podcast on penalties. <laughs> but, you know, is it, was it clear for him to see? Did he purposely speed? Was he slowing down? Like... There's a lot of factors to take yeah. into play, and that's why we have stewards, right? Because they, they watch and they, they decide. But are the stewards always right? Is the referee in football always right? No. That was from that guy, Sleepy. Sorry, Nick, did you have a... No, I was just saying, well, he kind of is, isn't he? You know, that's the point of the ref, yeah. you know? And his, his, his decision isn't always no, popular, can, but his decision is final. Mistakes, but, but they need to have, they need to have control, don't they, like exactly, a referee? Exactly, so the direction is clear. Yeah. But maybe it's like wear a silly hat or, a, you know, during the, the <laughs> after-race press conference or something, you know, maybe there's other, there's other punishments, right? I don't know. I've seen Daniel wear a lot of silly hats. <laughs> He'd probably He'd love that. Voluntarily, wouldn't he? He would just do that, yeah, on his own. So that was from that guy, Sleepy. Thank you for your question. Then we've got, should the lollipop men return as to ensure safe release from the pits? And that's from Nadimed. Yes. Um, do you okay. think so? Yes, I think so too. But there's still, there's still human error at play there. But the, the, to be fair, yeah, the Haas guys... If you watch the replay, he had his hands in the air, like waving, doing the Team America secret signal. And <laughs> a lollipop man would have gone, okay, this guy's waving, something's wrong here, save the car. Yeah. But you saw it with, I think the first year they started putting in those lights mm. was the year that Massa left the pits and pulled the fuel rig with him, which arguably, if he'd won that race, he'd have been world champion. So. It's, it's, it's classic Formula One of saving 0.1 of a second versus screwing up your entire race, race and for both cars. For both cars <laughs> and completely DNFing. Yeah, I, yeah, I think there is human error and there is a flip side, obviously, that you think that that lollipop man is so on edge that as soon as it looks like it's... Which we've seen before, lollipop men have lifted the car. People have got run over, including the lollipop man. So there's kind of arguments each way. Nick, do you have any kind of thoughts on on pit stops back to the old days refueling and stuff as well or? <laughs> i don't know i mean you know, i mean pit stops you know they're it's an important part of the the, the spectacle you know and uh, and uh, humans are more interesting than machines so mm. that's a very good point actually 
yeah. humans are a lot more Again, interesting to watch. Does it add drama? To, yeah, we do love you drama. You more drive, more driver input. Because like there's say, this tension between efficiency and risk. I mean, because yeah. you know, as you improve efficiency, you, 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 what you're doing, you're moving towards stability. And stability lacks drama, you know. Mm. So, so you've got to balance the two things. I don't know if that's so you look too. At, look at MotoGP in the race that they've just had. They had their season opener, and it came down to the final corner of the final race. There, it, it comes down to drivers being heroes and yeah. going for these crazy moves and doing Choice. all this stuff and you go that's more interesting than watching Mercedes I, I know that there is the point and that's why some people and a lot of people watch it and go well Mercedes have the best car they've built the best car they deserve to win that's Formula One deal with it but at the same time you're back to what you were saying about the casual fan coming in say they've gone to the concert and they go okay I've got a ticket for Formula One now I'll go see it they want to see the cars overtaking each other on every corner whereas if you said to him oh well the reason this is happening is because mercedes have the most money and have built the best car that's very interesting to them isn't no, it really no, yeah. so two it's two things one it's, it is inherently more interesting and two it's much easier to communicate you know if you yeah. think that's what we need to do as a promoter we yeah. need to communicate to audiences mm. who may not spend the time that you know core f1 fans would geeks do <laughs> geeks at heart. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Nadim Ed. Uh, then we got, okay, this is from Yas Marina Circuit. Were you upset when you realised we hadn't actually painted the circuit pink? Yes. I think for Cindy, <laughs> you were more upset than, uh, than maybe we were, but yeah. you, yes. I was. Yeah. I thought, I genuinely fell for it. Yeah, it was a felt, very good photo shot by whoever uh, did that. We were ribbed by them for um, falling for that. Mm-hmm. Fake yeah. news. <laughs> <laughs> It was very well executed was fake well news, executed. wasn't it? There's a lot of pages. We've got some. Uh, no, I shouldn't say. <laughs> <laughs> Cut off. <laughs> well, for Cindy, are upset about the whole thing. Yeah, Esteban they, especially. Esteban wasn't he? was uh, wanted to see he the whole thing. He retweeted and everything. Thing. He was. He fell right for that sucker, didn't he? So, yeah. yeah. Get old. Yeah, Esteban. but that's. It's not on him. That's no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we would have done the same. Exactly. Great, great promotion for that year's app, so well yes. done. <laughs> now moving to some Instagram questions. K-Tape oh, 2001. Oh, by the way, sorry, didn't yes. crash in on there. It fooled a lot of people here as well because it? Oh, really? it wasn't generally known that that's what we were doing. So <laughs> did people we coming out of the track? We what had a is large it? percentage of people go, what, 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 Where? what, where? Which section? Where is it? What section? What? No what do you say? Did you can't just go paint the track. <laughs> what? Amazing. Amazing. So, that's all right. Uh, so K Tate 2001 from Instagram asks, what race from previous years do you want back on the calendar? And I know already it's Istanbul. Uh, 100%, 1 million percent. I love that track so yeah, much. Good track. Yeah, amazing track. Uh, what about you guys? Imola. Easily. That's actually a very mm, good shout as that's well. That's a classic. But, yeah. Just such a good track. Um, yeah. I, I, I think there needs to be more of a mix of circuits personally as well. Mm. Um, it comes down to, again, the entertainment factor of Formula One is, is it really a surprise that the same team wins every race when the same like every track, while they have their own unique qualities, realistically are between 15 and 20 turns, have a long DRS straight with a hairpin, have this, this and this, whereas you go, okay, let's have Abu Dhabi like this, let's have Monza, let's have Spa, let's have 
a circuit, not not an oval, but something absolutely. Why why not? Like NASCAR Aust- fans I really, like, I really like Austria because, and people were going, oh, why is it? Why why are they doing Austria? It's only got seven turns. It's not suited to Formula One. It's different. But the first yeah. year was the only year where Mercedes went on pole because it was suited to another car. Mm. Williams had a car that only worked in a straight line and just were unbelievable on the straights. And Massa got pole, Bottas was second. And, yeah. and you go, okay, what if, what we, what if we had a race? Because Monaco every year people go, oh, well, this is a high downforce track. Mercedes didn't do well there. Red Bull have a chance. Yeah. It comes down to... Controversial though, yeah. I, would, I would like to see Monaco replaced. Ooh. I don't. Yeah. I don't want it on the. I don't want it on the, sec, on the circuit Ooh. calendar. No, I, uh, Monaco is the one track that, although a lot of races can be boring, it's Monaco, and it's I, Monaco I, I, I know that I'm not going to see an amazing race unless it's wet, and, and, yeah. and that's absolute carnage. But then I think we all kind of hold out for that wet race, and then it happens. Yeah. You're like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's back to F1 being F1. Some some races are boring. Deal with it. Do you know what I mean? That's the way it is. Deal with it, Jess. The history of the sport. <laughs> I just think, like, wh- whenever we get the lead up to Monaco, everyone's like, oh, Monaco, Monaco. And then all the feedback afterwards is, why is this track on the, on the calendar still? Especially when the Indy 500 is one of the best races of the year every year, and it's straight after Monaco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good promotion for it's, them. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I would like to. But, I mean, next year we're going to see potentially new tracks. Um, and it's cool, like, it, we were saying, I, we can't believe that it's been 10 years of Yas Marina Circuit that this year. It feels like a new track. Still. It, does, it still yeah. feels like a new track, but I guess like mm. it's it's good to have new tracks on the calendar um, because with the sport moving, then we get the need for different types of tracks. And again, it adds to that drama, like you were just saying, like mm. different tracks provide different opportunities for different teams. Yeah. And we don't want, if, if it's always the same ones, I think yeah. I think there should be a rotation in. There should be core tracks that are there every single year. And then maybe we rotate certain tracks in. I mean, like it's a bit like Germany, right? They, mm. I mean, it's not. Swapped, yeah. It's not for that reason that no. they swap, but <laughs> and I think it could it could take the pressure off tracks as well because it means that you don't have to potentially pay the fees that you have to pay every year. And maybe it could idea, maybe yeah. it could mm. be a way of, of, of helping the financial burdens. Um, but also keep it interesting. I think Silverstone need that right now, don't they, to kind of come yeah. back in and out. But then there's talk that they'll be okay. So who knows? I yeah. really hope it stays at Silverstone. Although Alistair, who lives a long way away and we go all the time, is <laughs> wants home. it to be in Gatwick. Yeah. Yeah. We could go to back to Brands Hatch. Brands Hatch. I'd be very happy. Yeah. My back garden, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Tom Falks GG from Instagram says, how many races do you think will be won, but not by Mercedes, Ferrari or Red Bull? Zero. Zero. Easiest question ever. Zero. Alistair? Annoyingly zero. I'd love it to not be zero, but zero. Yeah. Who do you think, which team do you think is, apart from those top three, which team do we think potentially? I I would have said Force India, but they're not doing that well. So I think Renault. It it comes down to again that is it good for the sport that only three teams can win? And the gap is so much bigger. I know people. claim that I'm a sort of Red Bull fanboy when I you say are. this. Okay. <laughs> but the Vettel era was so much more exciting than this Mercedes era mm. because let's be honest, two races went down to such drama like the Brazilian Grand Prix of twenty twelve. Alonso almost won the title yeah. in that car, whereas back to back to McLaren, they just could not 
do anything because it's so dependent on engine formula now. Yeah. And the gaps between the top teams are huge. It's like ridiculous. You don't, yeah. you don't they, ever get that underdog random, story. The underdog the, story yeah. of Sa- like was Kobayashi and Perez got a few podiums yes. for Sauber. Yeah, yeah. Maldonado won a race, but it could never happen now That's unless what... all the teams like you'd have to have a catastrophic failure because even um, even the races in 2014, I remember Rosberg. Rosberg, there was a race where Rosberg just screwed it up at the first corner and he still finished second. Yeah. You could be down to Although last McLaren, place. McLaren in Australia finished a very comfortable fifth. Um, and whilst they didn't look like they were going to challenge for a podium, we've got a whole season to go. We have. That's a great way of rounding this up, Jess. We have got a whole <laughs> season to go. I'm being given the cut it off sign. So How long have we been talking? Seven days. <laughs> <laughs> it's because we bottled it up. We, yeah, we've we, just we did. Like we gone, ah! we Maybe we did. should talk about the race before. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you guys for joining me. Nick from Yasmina Circuit, thank you very much for joining. Thank you. That has been our first WTF1 podcast. It has been very fun indeed. We've been here in Abu Dhabi. A lot of fun. Yeah. Always is really. Talking for another like hour. After yeah, we're not. Is, we're yeah, just yeah. going to keep rolling. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see you guys very soon for our next podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.